and grab your Bibles and uh, go ahead and be seated. We're going to be in the book of Colossians today, the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 1. Praise the Lord. And uh, after uh, the message this morning, at the end of the service, we're going to have a very special baby and child dedication, so uh, we're going to be blessed today. Colossians chapter 1. Today I want to talk to you about walking in the will of God, walking in the will of God. How many have ever had to make a hard decision? Anybody here? Difficult choice. Wouldn't it be great in those moments where we have to make difficult decisions to know what the will of God is for our lives? Yes? Should I take that job? Right? Should I buy that car? Should I marry this person? Should I move to North Carolina, Pastor Keith? I don't know where he's at. <laughs> I mean, if we could just know God's will in those times, it would be, life would be so much easier, right? Well, I have good news for you, and that good news is found right here in Colossians chapter 1, because verses 9 and 10 say this, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask, now look at this, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's good news. That's good news. It's the good news that God wants you to know his will. He wants to speak to you about his will. He wants to show you his will and fill your mind with the knowledge of his will. And I believe that these scriptures here that we just read give us some guidelines practically on how we can know the will of God, okay? First, if you want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, you have to want it. You have to want it. How many discovered that wanting something really is the key to achieving anything, right? Amen? How many have ever tried to lose weight? <laughs> right? But here's the thing. If you want to lose, you have to really want it, right? Or any diet or any discipline, it's going to be short-lived. You have to really, you have to really want it. That discipline of wanting, right? And so if you want to know what the will of God is, you really need to want that. So Paul says here, I am praying and I am asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. It's not something that we can just take for granted, all right? It's not a feeling that we get in our gut. It's not a sign that we get in the, in the sky, right? Just because you see a rainbow over the car dealership <laughs> doesn't mean that that's God's will for you to buy a new car, okay? Just because a picture of Florida pops up on your social media feed doesn't mean God's calling you to that we try not to say that word too much here in the Mission Church. It's that state south of Georgia. But it doesn't mean you're supposed to move there, right? Okay, just because you see a sign or something like that. When Paul said, I'm praying and I'm asking that you would be filled, Paul was being deliberate. He was very intentional. And basically, he's telling us that we have to want it, right? We have to ask for it. We have to stop, and we have to pray, and we have to listen and learn to listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. Because listen, today, God doesn't typically work by sending us signs and fleeces and messages on social media. Now, He can do that, 
Okay, he certainly can do that, and sometimes he may, but typically God is about relationship. Can you say relationship? This is really how God wants to work in our lives. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to listen to him. He's interested in us getting to know him and his heart and how he's reacting and how he's responding. And when different opportunities and decisions come our way, what is he feeling about those situations, right? This is one reason why the church in scripture is likened to a bride. In fact, the church is called the bride of Christ. He wants us to know him and to have an intimacy with him, kind of like a wife has with her husband, like a husband has with his wife. Married people get tuned to one another. How many married people we got here? Anybody know what I'm talking about? In fact, sometimes married people start looking like each other. Have you ever noticed that? Right? But they, we, we get tuned to each other so that we know how our spouse is reacting to things without even really talking to our spouse, right? I mean, I, my wife and I, we could be in a room, somebody could say something, and I know my wife so well that I can know how that statement is affecting her. I know how she's feeling inside, how she's reacting inside, and I know we're probably going to have a conversation on the way home, right? So I know, I, I know how my wife feels about things, right, because of relationship, okay? She, it's not just her sending me a text or sending me an email or giving me a little sign. So God wants us to show us his will through the context of relationship. And that's why Paul connects knowing his will to praying and asking and listening to the Lord. How many got, got that, okay? It's about relationship. Secondly, if you want to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, you have to make room for it. You have to make room for that, that knowledge, okay? Now, the Greek word that's used there when he says filled with the knowledge of his will. The Greek is, is the language, the original language of the New Testament. And the Greek word is pleru. And the word pleru means literally to be crammed so full of something that there is no room for anything else. Right? To be that full of the will of God that, that there's no room for anything else. Temptation, distraction, offense, Nothing else, right? It means to be filled to the top, play root. To be filled to the top so that every nook and every cranny is occupied, right? So it means being filled, and this is what God wants for us, to be filled with the knowledge of his will in every aspect of your life, in your career. Do you know God has a will for your career? In your finances, in your, your physical health, your physical being, in your marriage, or in your singleness, in your ministry, your mission, whatever it is, God wants to show you his will. In fact, Jesus said in John 16 that he'll fill us with his spirit, and his spirit will guide us into truth and show us, tell us, things that are to come. How many love it when the Holy Spirit leads you? How many have ever had, you just had the Holy Spirit gave you such an impression and such, such an urgency in your heart that you just knew that God was calling you into something, amen? That's a beautiful moment. But the problem today with our generation is that God can't fill us with the knowledge of his will because we are filled up already with so much other stuff, right? 
we're, we're play rue, but not with God's knowledge of God's will, with the other stuff of this world. Our focus, our attention, our senses are so preoccupied and so distracted by all the stuff around. Can you say stuff? Just the stuff of, of this world. So filled up with that, that there's no room for God to speak to us and to fill us with the knowledge of his will. Now you might say, what stuff? What are you talking about stuff? How many have one of these? Anybody? Yeah, you're not too spiritual for a phone, are you, right? Some of you are like, oh, I don't need that. I'm, I'm anointed. I don't have a phone, right? But you all know what I'm talking about, okay? The phone, this phone, it, it, this, is a, this is an amazing device, but if you're not careful, it will be a powerful distraction. Yes? It will preoccupy your senses, and that's, that's the power of this thing, okay? I mean, you, can, you have access to just about anything. If you like baseball, you can watch a baseball game, right? If you like the news, you can tune in and you can find out what's going on in Ukraine right now, right? I mean, if you want to talk to a friend, you can talk to a friend. If you want to call, I can talk to somebody in Africa on this thing. If you want to go shopping, now I'm talking your language, right? If you want to go shopping, okay, you can do it on this phone. You can read almost any book. You can learn almost any fact. You can even see, you could be in another state, and you can see who's knocking on your front door. Does anybody here know about that, right? You know, I can be in Texas and get a notification that Amazon dropped a package off on my front. Oh, I just got a dopamine drop right there. Amazon, right? So you can know when this phone, it's amazing. But here's the thing. We are so full of the stuff of this world that God can't fill us with the knowledge of his will because of the distraction and the preoccupation. He doesn't have anywhere to put it. (laughs) Our minds are too filled up. I mean, we've got the entire world buzzing in our pocket. Yes? You feel a buzz. Oh, Fox News. You feel another buzz. Oh, CNN. You feel another buzz. Oh, Biden just gave a speech, right? You feel another buzz. Oh, the Supreme Court, right? You feel another buzz. Oh, oh, what's his name? Musk just bought Twitter, right? Another buzz. Oh, I got a text or I got an email, right? Or somebody's trying to call me or something's going on, right? We're constantly, constantly, I mean, it's everywhere. I was amazed this past week. I was upstate, and I went to a local gym there, and I was amazed. I don't usually go to the gym. I do stuff at home, but when I went to the gym, I was amazed at how many people go to the gym and don't actually work out. <laughs> Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I was bewildered by this. I'm like, you know, I'm doing my circuits and everything, and I'm looking over, and most of the time, people are sitting there on the bench press. They're not doing this. They're doing this. They're doing this. They're even doing, I even saw this, on the treadmill. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right? I mean, this thing has become like, like just, it owns us. You don't, we don't own our phone anymore. It's like the phone owns us. It drags us around. It commands us. It calls for our attention, right? We were driving on the interstate the other day, my wife and, and Dylan and Lizzie were watching, and the car in front of us is veering off the road onto the shoulder, right? Pulls back, corrects, right? Five seconds later, veers off the road right? And so, you know, I'm like, I'm going to get around this person, so I get up there, you know, and, and you can look in the car, and you can see that the woman driving the car is looking down on her, on her phone. This thing will kill you if you're not careful. How many know what I'm talking about? Right? This is the power that this thing has over us right now, and it's, we're so full and distracted and preoccupied with the stuff of this world. God's trying to speak to us. He's trying to lead us, but he can't get it in because we're already crammed too full. 
And that's the thing. The devil knows that he can't stop you from being saved. You're saved. You're walking with Jesus. But he knows that he can stop you from walking in God's will. If he can't stop you from being saved, then he'll, he'll settle for second best to keep you out of the perfect will of God, right? Okay? So listen, it's a great convenience. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm not saying throw your phone away. Excuse me. What I'm saying is don't let it become a chain around your neck. Don't allow it to become an idol that controls you. Amen? Don't allow it to pre so preoccupy you that you're not listening and relating to the Holy Spirit and what God is saying to you. Amen? So we have to want, we have to want to know the will of God. There has to be that, that intentionality about us, to be deliberate about it. And then we've got to make space for God to speak to us. And thirdly, if you want to know God's will, you have to discern God's will through his word. Okay? Back to the scripture. Verse 9 tells us, be filled with the knowledge of his will. The knowledge. Now focus on that word knowledge. Be filled with have room for, have room for what? The knowledge of his word. The Greek word for knowledge is epignosis. Epignosis literally means to recognize something by way of discernment. To recognize the true nature of something because you can understand what's at operation below the surface. That's what discernment is really, is really all about. Okay? Discernment is, is it's sensing right from wrong. In fact, more than that, I like what Spurgeon says. Charles Spurgeon said, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost, almost right. See, that's the, the dangerous thing about error is when error comes to us wrapped up in just enough truth to make it feel authentic. And so we accept whatever it is because of the truth wrapped around it, but we're unable to discern the error at the core, which can actually take us down the, the wrong path and be very destructive to us, right? And so the scripture is telling us that we need to be filled with the epignosis, the knowledge of God's, of God's will. A knowledge, now watch this, a knowledge based on discernment, a capacity to distinguish between truth and error, and listen, it's not about human intuition. That's not what we're talking about here. Because true discernment, biblical discernment, is not something that comes out of our heart. You know why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Okay? We don't follow our heart. Okay? Tell somebody, don't follow your heart. Okay? That's the worst. of. If anybody ever tells you, follow your heart, tell them, get behind me, Satan. Because... Don't follow your heart. Your heart is corrupt. My heart is corrupt. It is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We're not, not talking about some gut feeling. You know, there are some people say, well, I have the gift of discernment. I can just discern things. There is no such thing as a gift of discernment in the Bible. Okay? There's the gift of the discerning of spirits, which is very specific to being able to detect the operation of a demonic spirit and distinguish that from the working of the Holy Spirit. That's very specific. But discernment, there's no gift of discernment. Okay? There is a knowledge based on the Word of God we're going to talk about in a moment. But my concern a lot of times is when people say I have the gift of discernment, what they're really saying is I have a very critical spirit. And they're hiding a critical spirit behind this so-called gift of discernment. And because they feel like they can discern things, now they can be judgmental and harsh and unkind and very judgmental towards people. Right? That's not the discernment that the Bible talks about. 
Biblical discernment is rooted in the Word of God. Let me show you a scripture. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, or verse 12 says this. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, did you hear that? For this time, it says by now you've been in this thing long enough, you should be teachers, but you need someone to teach you. Again, the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled, watch this, is unskilled, unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason, look at this, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What does that mean? Discernment is not something that comes out of your gut. It's not a feeling, some subjective impression that you get from something. Discernment is cultivated in our character through study of the Word of God that gives us the ability to recognize truth from error. Are you getting that? It's the ability to recognize truth and error because the Word of God has become engrafted in our character and our senses have been exercised by God's Word. Amen? Think of it like this. We need to know the Word of God like a second language. How many here know a second language? English is your primary. You might know a second language, right? I think every believer walking in this world, in this life, with the, all of the darkness around us, we need to know the Word of God like a second language. So someone who knows two languages, they could speak English, but the, while they're speaking English, they have a translation in another language in the back of their head, right? They could translate it into a Spanish, French, whatever it is. That's how we need to be with the Word of God. That whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, you can translate that situation into the Word of God. You've got a scripture for every challenge, every problem, every dilemma, every decision that comes your way. We need to be so well-versed in God's Word that we carry it like a second language. Are you getting this? Right? That's what he's talking about here. So filled, so pleru with truth, God's Word, that there is such knowledge, epignosis of God's Word that you can quickly discern what God's will is in any given circumstance. Amen? Someone says something offensive to you and hurts your feeling, there's no room for offense to dwell in your heart because you know in Matthew 18, it says that if your brother sins against you, to go to your brother, tell him to sin, and be reconciled. That's how the, God's word works, okay? Right? Or if you're a young lady and, and some unsaved, you know, cute guy comes walking along, like, <laughs> right? But because you got the Word of God in you, you know the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Amen? Because you have the Word of God in your heart. You're just like, get behind me, Satan. Get away from me. Yes? Okay? Or you're sitting in class, maybe you're a student, and you hear some ideology about inverted racism or abortion or homosexuality, or transgenderism, and you are so filled with God's Word. You know God's Word like a second language, and His will, the knowledge of His will is so full in your being that there is no room for delusion to settle in your spirit. How many are getting this today? All I'm saying is this. We need to be people of God's Word. 
We don't have the luxury of not knowing God's word. Because people who don't know the word of God are being deceived by the thousands. They're buying into a false gospel. They're buying into a cultural delusion. They're buying into a darkness because they don't have their senses exercised by the word of God to discern between good and evil. Amen? All right? So, tell the person next to you, read your Bible. That brings us to the benefits, okay? Real quick here. We're going to close in just a moment. Brings us to the benefits of being filled with the knowledge of God's will. And there are three that he mentions. Wisdom, spiritual understanding, and walking worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Wisdom, spiritual understanding, and walking worthy of the Lord. How many could use some of that? How many need some wisdom? Anybody here need wisdom? I don't know about you, but I need, I need wisdom. That's the first benefit of being filled with the knowledge of God's will is wisdom, right? Okay? Filled with the knowledge of God's will, that you may have wisdom and spiritual understanding. Okay? Wisdom. I love what the Bible says about wisdom. James 1.5 says that if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Our God wants to give you a liberal dose of wisdom. Wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. wisdom. If there's one thing that you and I need to pray for, it is we need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In this world, you need wisdom. Right? Because there are people trying to rip you off everywhere you go. Sorry to be so cynical, but, you know, been around just long enough. You need wisdom. So what is wisdom? I'll give you three quick things. Insight, foresight, and hindsight. Wisdom is insight, foresight, and hindsight. Wisdom is insight. It's the ability to see inwardly into situations, to see things that can't be seen, to see details, to discern issues, to see things that other people might be missing. Unknown facts, insight, amen? Foresight. Foresight is the ability to be forward-thinking. It's the ability to anticipate outcomes of decisions that you're about to make. You're about to make a choice, but before you make that choice, wisdom enables you to be able to connect the dots. In fact, wisdom enables you to establish the dots that aren't even there, to be able to project forward and say, if I do this, then this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and to be able to connect those dots and say, if I do this, this is going to be the outcome, right? Foresight, okay? Insight, foresight, and hindsight. What's hindsight? Hindsight is 2020. It's when we look behind us and we realize, man, I made mistakes. But my prayer is, God, give me hindsight so before I make the mistake, right? Let me see the mistakes before I make them so I can avoid them. Amen? Wouldn't that be awesome? If you had that kind of wisdom where you're about to make a decision and a scripture comes to mind or a principle comes to mind or the Holy Spirit starts to impress on you, you need to slow down. You ever have the Holy Spirit tell you, slow down? Amen? You've never had that happen? Then you're not listening. You're too full of this stuff. Okay? Because he's trying to tell us all the time, slow down. Just look at somebody and say, you need to slow down. Okay? Slow down. Before you buy that thing, before you make that decision. Before you accept that ring from that guy who just kneeled down, <laughs> right? All right, okay, that's another sermon for another time. But here's the thing that I want you to pray. When you pray for wisdom, make sure you pray this. Lord, I need real time right now in the moment wisdom. Lord, I don't want the kind of wisdom that comes two hours later when I say, oh, man, I should have said. How many know about that kind of wisdom, right? Or two days later, you're like, you know what, if I had only, no, I don't want that wisdom. 
I want in the moment wisdom. I want real time, right now. An answer is needed. A decision must be made. A response must come out. Lord, I need that kind of wisdom. Real time wisdom. Amen. So when you pray for wisdom, get specific. Insight, foresight, hindsight, real time. Amen. And God wants to give us that kind of wisdom, but it comes from being filled with a knowledge of his, his will. And then there's spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding. Wisdom is the practical part of life. Wisdom and just looks at facts. It gathers the facts and the figures and adds them up and projects accordingly, right? It helps us to make sense of God's will. But sometimes, how many know God's will doesn't make sense? Anybody, anybody ever notice that? That sometimes God's will doesn't add up on a calculator? Hello? Is, or is it just me? Right? Sometimes God's will, it doesn't make sense. And that's when you need spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding is the capacity to perceive that there is a spiritual, supernatural component. There are certain principles, eternal principles, that are being, are being applied right now that don't necessarily work in the earthly realm. Amen. Yes, it's true. For instance, let me give you a scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says that the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit, their foolishness to them, because they're not spiritually discerned. So we need to be not just people who are wise practically. Okay, we got the ledgers figured out. We got the formulas. We did all our math, all our you know, projections, all that stuff. Okay, but we also need to be people who can spiritually discern. You know, like over 30 years ago, it didn't make any sense for my wife and me to pack up our two kids, leave our family, leave the business that I was in, move to New York, come to some place called Holmes. Who moves to Holmes? Who moves to a place called Holmes? Right? We drove in, pulled in the parking lot here. We're like, we didn't there any, there were no houses around here back then. We're like, what do they preach to the squirrels? What is this place? <laughs> right? And so we moved up here took a 50% cut in my salary from the business to the ministry, 50% cut. Didn't make, that doesn't make any sense. According to the world, that's foolishness. Amen? According to my family, that's foolishness. Doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense. But sometimes God calls us into something that doesn't make sense, and it needs to be spiritually discerned. And so that's our prayer. Lord, I don't only want wisdom, God, but I want spiritual understanding so that I can, I can hear you when you're calling me into something that doesn't really add up according to the world, because that is going to happen. Amen? Doesn't make sense to go to, Hindu, to go to India, a Hindu nation, and preach the gospel. Doesn't make sense to go to Tanzania, a Muslim country, and preach the gospel and hold leadership conferences that teach uh, Judeo-Christian ethics on leadership, right? It doesn't make any sense. You can get in a lot of trouble unless God is calling you. There are some things you got to know God is, God is calling you. Amen? Right? you gotta, you got to know. It doesn't make any sense to give God 10% of our income. I mean, figure that on a calculator. How many times have I heard people say, I've added it up. I can't, I can't afford that. Well, of course you can't afford it. You're not supposed to afford it. You're supposed to trust God. <laughs> Tithing doesn't work on a calculator. It only works on a faithulator or something like that. you just got to have faith. You've got, you got to step out and obey God, right? Here's the thing. You can't afford not to tithe. Because God says, you give me the 10%, right? Then I'll bless 
the 90% that remains in your hand. And I would rather have 90% blessed of God than 100% without the blessing of God. What is that? That's a spiritual principle. That's spiritual understanding. And that's what God wants to give us when we're walking in His will. Amen? Amen? This is why we praise Him when we're sick. This is why we worship Him when our prayers haven't been answered. Because we know that He's the God who's causing all things to work together for the good. Who takes what the enemy meant for evil and turns it around and uses it for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Christians are strange people. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And if you're not strange, then you're, you're probably not hearing. You're probably not hearing. All right, let me move on here. I'm almost out of time. Being filled with the knowledge of his will brings wisdom. It brings spiritual understanding. And the final benefit that I want to focus on is that we walk worthy of the Lord. We walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Walk worthy of the Lord. Everybody say, walk worthy. worthy. Now that sounds hard, doesn't it? How could we ever walk worthy? This isn't talking about salvation. You're saved by the grace of God, not works. How many understand that? Okay? You're saved by grace, not works. This isn't about salvation. This is about our lives being fruitful and productive for the kingdom of God. This is about us taking the talents that God has given us, the competencies and the skill sets, offering them back up to God and getting busy for the kingdom of God and doing what he has called us to do. Amen? That's what this is talking about, right? Right? Understand, God didn't save you simply because he loves you and wants you to sit there, you know, saved now, and he can just admire you and say, oh, you're just so wonderful. I just love you so And it's sad because a lot of times that's where modern-day gospel presentations stop. God loves you and wants to forgive your sins, and that's it. They go no further, okay? But God didn't save you simply because he loves you. He saves you because he has a purpose for your life, right? 2 Timothy 1.9 says he saved us and, did you get that? He saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to what? His own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before what? Time began. Do you know that God had a purpose, a plan, a will for your life before time even began? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So here's the question. Do you know what his purpose is and are you walking in his will? Or are you just walking in your will? Right? Just focused on the stuff of this world. Ephesians 2.10. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We rejoice in our salvation, right? But in that salvation, we have a calling, we have a responsibility, we have a duty to do the will of God. Think of it like this, and then I'm going to close. How many remember their first car? Do you remember your first car? Any motorheads here? Come on, you remember your first car, right? I remember my first car, 1968 Plymouth Belvedere. Some of you are thinking, what even is that? Hey, Siri, what's a Belvedere? <laughs> yeah, 250 bucks. Bought it from my older brother. Talked him down from 255. <laughs> that was my first car. So I bought this car. It was beat up, messed up, engine problems, body problems, you know, filthy, dirty, you know. My older brother, <laughs> But anyway, I got to work on the car. That was back when lay people could work on their engines. How many remember that? 
I mean, you could actually, you could get up in there and you could sit down there in where the engine is and get under it. And so I could work on the engine, did work on it, fixed it up, did some body repair, got the putty and everything and made it look nice, cleaned it up. Now, here's the thing. Why did I do all that? Why did I save that car? Why did I repair that car? Why did I fix that car? So it could just sit in the driveway and I could admire it and say, oh, I love that car. It's such a wonderful car. Absolutely not. i I bought that car, paid for that car, repaired that car because I had a purpose for that car. I didn't want it to sit in the driveway, right? I needed to get to go places. I had places to be, people to see, things to do. I needed a car. I had a purpose and intention for that. And understand something, God didn't save you just so you could sit in the driveway. And if you're sitting in the driveway, you're not walking in his will. God has a plan for you, a purpose for your life. Hallelujah. And it's an awesome purpose. It's an awesome purpose. And I'd rather be in the will of God than any place else. Amen? It's not always full of the most wealth of this world. It's not always the most comfortable place. It's not always the funnest place. But it's the best place you can live your life. In the will of God. Knowing that you're right with God. Knowing that you're in His hands. That no matter what you're going through. No matter what problem. No matter what struggle. You're right with God. Because Jesus died on the cross. Your sins have been forgiven. And you know that you have eternal life. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Let me ask the worship team to join me up here. And we're going to close. We're going to close. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you, God, for the practical truths in your word, Lord God. That, Lord, you don't want us to walk uh, confused about your will for us, God. You want to speak to us. You want to show us your will. You want to fill us with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. You want us to have a walk that is worthy of the Lord. Thank you for that, God. Let us be a people here today, God, who are intentional deliberate about the will of God, who will ask and say, Lord, show me your will. Help us to be a people that will make room in our, in our lives to hear the will of God. Help us to be a people that care about your word, God. Study it and read it. And have their senses exercised because of it. Help me, God. Come on, let's stand together. Help me, Lord. Just put your hand on your heart to say, Lord, help me. Come on. Just talk to the Lord for a moment. We're going to close in a minute here, but just talk to the Lord. Say, Lord, help me. Help me, God, to have a hunger to know your will. Help me to make space, Lord, in my room for the deposit of the knowledge of your will. And help me to rightly discern your will by knowing your word, God. That, Lord, I might have wisdom and I might have spiritual understanding and that I might walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing you, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Can we lift up your hand? Come on, lift up your hands to the Lord right now and just say, Lord, that's my prayer, God. I need you, Lord. I need you, God. I want you, God. I seek you, Lord. In this moment, Lord, hear my cry. Hear my prayer. Eddie, would you lead us? Lead, lead us.